Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we've already said and talked about today, today is October 23rd, and today is the day that the church remembers and gives thanks for St. James of Jerusalem. Days like this, as well as our church holidays, our church seasons, all of these things help the church keep time. They help us mark the passing of time in a way that is unique to the rest of the world, different from the rest of the world. It is our own church calendar. And so within that calendar, we have these days where we are able to remember certain people from biblical and church history, and we joyfully remember them. And my general rule of thumb is that when these days fall on a Sunday like today, that we take the time to observe it. There's great benefit in remembering God's people like St. James. And, and just to be clear, Lutherans do not worship the saints. We do not invoke their prayers. We'll be reminded in just a couple weeks on All Saints Day that a saint is not a person who is any less sinful than anyone else or any more holy than anyone else. In fact, we are all saints. We are all God's saints. A saint just means a holy person, a holy one. It's a person that has been made holy, not by what we have done, but on account of what Christ has done for us. But it's a good thing to remember those who have gone before us in the faith, that great cloud of witnesses that the Bible talks about, so that we might benefit from their example. Hebrews 13 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This is part of the handing down of the faith from one generation to the next. So, what do we gather from remembering the way of life of St. James of Jerusalem? Well, there's going to be two things that I'd like us to hear today, and both of them are an encouraging word for us today. First, we hear James's story, his, his way of life, and we consider the outcome of his way of life, as Hebrew says, and receive encouragement. Encouragement, especially for those who have loved ones or people we know who aren't Christian. The second thing that we'll hear today as we focus on God's word from the book of James, from James's letter, is that we receive encouragement in our own lives when we, as James says, meet trials of various kinds. And that's what Deanna was talking about today in our children's message. Well, first, we receive encouragement when we have loved ones who aren't Christian. So at this point, I think it would be helpful to know a little bit more about James's story. Who is James of Jerusalem? Well, not to be confusing, and this happens a lot in the Bible, that there are multiple people with the same name. There were two James who were disciples of Jesus. James, son of Zebedee, that's John's brother, and James, son of Alphaeus. They were disciples. But the James we're talking about today was not either one of those. He was not part of the original 12 disciples, but rather was known for being a leader in the Jerusalem Christian church. And that's what we see in his title, isn't it? St. James of Jerusalem. So why is he called that? Well, we clearly heard in our first reading today from Acts chapter 15 just how James led. And in those early days of the Christian church, when, when Peter and Paul were out doing their, their missionary work in the Roman Empire and all the apostles were busy spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, someone was faithfully leading and holding down the fort, so to speak, back where it all began, back in Jerusalem. 
And that person was James. And James spoke with an authoritative voice that day at what's known as the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. They had heard all that Peter had to say, all that Barnabas and Paul had to say, based on all that the Holy Spirit was revealing to them, which was that Gentiles, non-Jews, are and should be part of the body of Christ. It was a monumental moment in the history of the church, the realization that Christ is for all people, not just for the people of Israel. Now, of course, if they had been listening, Jesus had made that clear to them, but sometimes it takes us a little while to get things through our heads, and so it was with them. But you see, James was absolutely critical in leading this way. It was he who was speaking to the whole assembly, and he was quoting Old Testament scripture where, of course, God made known that he would include Gentiles in his church. So important was James during these days that the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, identifies three people that were the main pillars of the church in his day. Simon Peter, the Apostle John, and James. He was right up there. But that's not all that James was known for. After all, he is St. James of Jerusalem, brother of Jesus. He is the half-brother, we say, of our Lord. He is a half-brother because his parents were also Joseph and Mary. Now, as we know, uh, Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. So James and Jesus were from the same mother. They were half-brothers. But they were both raised by Joseph and Mary. They both lived under the same roof. Our gospel reading today from Matthew 13, it gives us the full list of Jesus' brothers. He had four of them. James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. Now you would think that being Jesus' brother would would only add to James' prestige. I think if I were James, I'd be tempted to slip into casual conversation. Why? Yes, I am related to Jesus. Yes, that Jesus. Thank you very much. But he doesn't do that, at least not as far as we can tell. In fact, in our epistle reading today, At the beginning of the letter, when he's identifying himself, you notice that James doesn't uh, mention that he's related to Jesus. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't mention that he's Jesus' brother. Why is that? Well, of course, James is focusing on the most important relationship he had with Jesus, which was as a Christian. He is a Christian. He is a servant of the Lord. He is a humble leader in the church. James wasn't saved, he knew, because he was Jesus' biological brother. He's saved because he's Jesus' brother in the faith. That is, Jesus came to die for his sins also, to forgive him and offer him eternal life. Just as Jesus is our brother in the faith and God is our heavenly father, so it was with James. But I think there's another reason why James doesn't mention his relationship with Jesus. And that's because his biological connection with Jesus wasn't necessarily a source of pride for him. In fact, some might consider it a source of shame. You see, James was one of those family members who didn't believe in Jesus at first. So often in Scripture, it was those who were closest to Jesus who had the hardest time believing in him. 
In Mark chapter 3, right at the beginning of his gospel, right when Jesus was beginning his ministry and starting to become quite famous, Jesus returns to his hometown. And when his family heard that he was returning, Mark writes, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Well, why did they think this? Well, the Apostle John tells us quite clearly in his gospel, he says, for not even his brothers believed in him. So how did that change for James? How did he go from being an unbeliever, from one who was trying to prevent Jesus from what he had come to do, to being such an important leader in the Christian church? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us elsewhere in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians, that when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter, he, of course, showed himself alive to Simon Peter, to the women, to the disciples, to 500 other people, But then Paul takes the time to note, he says, then Jesus appeared to James, very specifically. Our risen Lord made sure to single out his own brother so that he too could believe. And what this shows us then, and this gets us back to why James is such an encouragement for us today, is that there is no person who is so lost that our crucified and risen Lord cannot turn around in faith. There was hardly anyone, I would say, except for maybe Paul himself, who was known as Saul then, who was more faithless before the resurrection than James. And as we begin to think about our own family members and friends and co-workers and fellow students and anyone else who is important to us in our lives for whom we fear that they also don't have faith in Jesus, this can truly concern us, and rightfully so. As ones who, is, who have received the, the free mercy and grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, we cannot help but want others to experience that as well. As a parent, I naturally pray all the time for my children I pray that they would grow healthfully, that they would grow intellectually, that they would grow joyfully, that they would grow wisely. But as important as all of those things are, and as much as I desire them for my children, my greatest prayer, my deepest concern is that they would grow faithfully. That more than anything else, faith in Jesus is the most important thing. And I know everyone here would share that and does share that same concern, whether it's for your grandchildren or children or godchildren or siblings or parents or grandparents, friends, acquaintances, anyone. As a Christian, that you desire this faith in Jesus most of all for them. And knowing that someone doesn't believe can be a painful and concerning reality. This is why the example of James can be such an encouragement for us today. Because what it shows us is what truly changes a person's heart. For James, it wasn't his own strength or willpower that brought him to faith. And and it wasn't the, the convincing and intellectual argumentation of friends and family. No, instead, it was the faithful prayers heard by God as no doubt James' family and friends and even his own brother Jesus would have been praying for him. And it was those prayers answered by God when James found himself standing face to face with the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and he believed. 
And so we should never be, uh, we should always be encouraged to never stop praying for our loved ones. Either that they would return to their faith in Christ or be strengthened in their faith in Christ or be granted faith in Christ in the first place. We pray that the Lord who continues to meet his people in the power of his word, in the waters of his baptism, in the the meal of forgiveness of sins in his supper, the places where we get to regularly encounter our risen Lord, we pray that that Lord, by his strength and power, that he would transform the hearts of those who are far from him and grant them faith. And we pray also, that he would use us always to be gentle yet faithful and persistent proclaimers, pointing others to Jesus, knowing that there is always hope for anyone, because there is always Jesus for everyone. That's our first encouragement today. The second, like I said earlier, is that we receive encouragement in our own lives when we meet trials of any kinds. James was a man who knew trials in his life, especially after he became a Christian. Like we've mentioned, he faithfully led the church in Jerusalem during some pretty difficult times. The intense persecution that they faced from the the religious leaders in Jerusalem, it had already scattered many Christians far and wide. And while the official Roman persecution by the state hadn't begun yet, Christianity had always faced resistance in the Roman Empire. But James is an example of a person who remained faithful under pressure. He writes in his epistle, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then James goes on to write, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. James most certainly faced hardships as he was pastoring that Jerusalem church. As he helped Paul and all the apostles in their mission. As he led councils as he did in Acts chapter 15. But it was one day in particular that was the ultimate trial and the ultimate test for him. Remember the last part of his title, St. James of Jerusalem, brother of Jesus and martyr. Well, we find out what happened to James, not from scripture, but from the church history written by Eusebius, who tells us that there were many people in that time, uh, including many influential leaders that were quickly becoming Christian, despite all the opposition that they were facing. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they had had enough of this. So they go to James one day, and they instruct him to convince the people to stop believing in Jesus as the promised Messiah. And so they set him up on the pinnacle of the temple. They tell him to go up there where everyone could see and hear him. This was the same place, by the way, where his brother Jesus once stood under temptation from Satan. And they tell James to restrain the people from going after this Jesus. And so James faced a choice. Would he acquiesce to the powers that be? 
Lord, he remains steadfast under trial and stand the test. Well, James made his choice. He said, why do you question me about the Son of Man? I tell you, he is sitting in heaven at the right hand of the great power, and he will come again on the clouds of heaven. To which the crowds then responded in shouts, Hosanna to the Son of David. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had realized that they had made a big mistake in bringing James up there. And so they decided their only course of action would be to throw James off the temple in an effort to kill and silence him. But the fall didn't kill him. So they began to stone him right where he lay. And before James died, he began to pray. He prayed just like his Lord did from the cross. He said, I ask you, Lord God and Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And so the world did to James the worst they could possibly do. They took his life. He was martyred for his faith. But even in his martyrdom, James stood steadfast. He stood the test. And it wasn't to his own glory or credit. It was all for the glory of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't because of his own power or volition. It was all because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work within James. He loved Jesus, his brother and his Lord, because Jesus had loved him first. Jesus loved him as a brother. He loved him as a child of God, as a disciple, as a witness for the faith. And as James' eyes closed in death that day, they opened to eternal life. And he received his promised crown of life that God had prepared for him. So James' death is an example for us, and it points us toward the one who died the most consequential death on the cross, the place where all of our sins were paid for, where our enemies of death and hell were ultimately defeated, where our crown of life was secured. And James's prayer that day for his enemies echoes the same assuring forgiveness that was spoken by Jesus from the cross when we who were once enemies of God in our sin were made his forgiven and beloved children. You see, everything that James was able to do, he did. Everything from his conversion, from faithlessness to faithfulness, from his days of his entire career as a leader in the church to the day of his death, all of it was because of Jesus, only Jesus. And this is simply another encouragement for us that we can take with us in our lifetime as we too face trials and temptations. Now, our world looks very much different than the world of James, that's for sure, but in many other ways, there is still a very much similarity as well. There is still a need for us to give a faithful witness to Jesus Christ in all of our conversations, in all of our prayers, in all of our voting, in all of our speaking. 
There is still a need for us to stand on the sure word of God and on his truth for the sake of this world, which has lost its way in sin. There is still a need for us to proclaim the life and salvation found in Jesus Christ alone. And there is still a need for us to pray for our enemies and to pray for all of our loved ones who do not yet know Jesus. We give thanks to God today for the example of St. James and for God encouraging us and strengthening us and giving us Jesus so that we too may remain steadfast under trial, that we may stand the test, love the Lord, and receive the crown of life which God has promised to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.